Greyhound to trap one. Over. Hello and welcome to the Trap One Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Denise. Denise, how are you? I'm not too bad, thank you. How about you? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good, can't complain. Uh, so since we last yeah. spoke, the first episode of the final game has debuted. It has indeed, yes. And uh, so the first acting I've done for a very long time is out there in the big wide world. <laughs> Very, and very. It's an exciting story. It is, and uh, you're very, very good in it. I know it's a couple of re- reviews have particularly um, picked up on your performance. You should say, if, if anyone hasn't heard it, you're playing Liz Shaw. Yes, yeah, it was really interesting actually um, watching watching Caroline John's performance and seeing it's all in the voice, and that's fortunate for me yeah. <laughs> since I'm doing it in an audio play. Just the different. The way she changes into what she's talking about, it's all it's all very interesting to get into, but it's not difficult to emulate, so it's an absolute gift playing a part like that. Brilliant, very good. And it's um the I haven't heard it now, the some of the some of the other actors, um the guy that plays the third doctor, Marshall Tankersley, is uncannily like him as well, isn't he? He is really good, and what's especially good is, I mean, he's performing as the third Doctor. He's not doing an impression of John Pertwee, and there's a very subtle difference Mm -hmm. between the two things. I mean, you don't want caricature. You don't want, you know, a Mike Yarwood-style impersonation. You want um, the spirit of the actor himself rather than rather than just someone who can do his voice it's uh, very impressive indeed yeah Yeah. a difficult voice to do i would imagine and and more so because he's an american yes yes that is impressive yes there's a lot of americans in the cast there are um but yeah very very impressive uh accents and voices going on there as well uh so i hope the hopefully the second episode is going to be out in september so everyone should look out for that. And yes. I'll, um, I'll put links in the show notes to where you can hear the first one. Uh, Sounds excellent. Uh, what else have you been enjoying recently? Any? There's a lot of good TV around at the moment. Oh, there's been far too much good TV yeah. recently. I've barely had a life because I've just been watching so many wonderful things. I mean, there was Good Omens and Chernobyl, which I have just binge-watched for the second time. And that is such an excellent piece of television. If you've got the opportunity to watch it, you really should. Very strong story, very strong performances, and uh, it really brings through the horror of the situation. Yeah, you understand, Chernobyl. Is, is, is it the highest rated show of all time on, on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or something like that? That's what they say. They say uh, more people have watched it mm. than any other show as well, I think. But, uh, yes, it's... Um, there's something about it it grips you I mean obviously growing up being a teenager in the 80s and Mm. having that the cold war always at your back and the documentaries about what could happen and uh, shows like threads it sort of seeps into your consciousness Um, but then on the other hand I was thinking about it today there's something very comforting about the cold hard physics of it Mm -hmm. You know, if this amount of radiation is released, if this 
explosion happens, this is what is going to happen and there is nothing you can do about it. Whereas all of the problems that we seem to have today yeah. <laughs> are created by people <laughs> behaving in unconscionable ways. Yes. You know, it's... Uh, yeah, it's that, it is yeah. comforting in a way to true. see that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, no, no less scary, but but more unpredictable and uh, yes, yeah, especially obviously with um, as we record events in the UK over the last couple of days with the um, the Prime Minister getting permission from the Queen to prorogue Parliament. Yes, something yeah. just four days ago he denied he was planning. Well, you know. I've given up expecting anybody in power to tell the truth ever under any circumstances. You can tell they're lying because the lips are moving. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's not good. And it's almost like, as you know, I've been an expat for many years. Mm-hmm. I don't recognize my country anymore. It's um, it's worrying. Yeah. I, but fortunately, we do have lots of the good TV to distract us. We do. So, and, uh, yes, the third season of Stranger Things, which I think was the strongest of the three. And we've got Orange is the New Black and The Handmaid's Tale. And there's a new Norwegian series, which has just started on um, HBO Nordic, which hopefully there'll be an English version or a subtitled version at some point. We're yeah. just two episodes in so far, and it's called Be Foreigners. And what it's about, it's got a time travel element. Suddenly, these strange lights start appearing in the fjord outside in Oslo. And people just emerge out of the water, but they're from, like, the Stone Age or they're from the Viking time or they're from the 19th century. And it's happening all over the world. And then this story is set sort of about seven years after that started to happen and these people are integrated into society. It's really very interesting premise, and it's quite darkly humorous. And I'm really, really getting into that. That does sound very good. Yeah, we usually get those on on BBC Four um, at some point, so I'll look out for that one. Um, yeah, ho- hopefully it will um, make it over to the UK, or it'll be like that series Vikings, when they also have done a Norwegian language version and yeah. and an English language version because it's so funny in a lot of ways and interesting but I like that kind of series you know I liked In the Flesh as well where um, suddenly lots of people came back to life as zombies or undead syndrome sufferers I didn't see this is where (laughs) this is uh, what um, I think last time we spoke with Pete Lambert um, he said I've never seen any other TV Um, it seems like sometimes I've never seen other TV apart from Doctor Who but the ones you've mentioned you're you're living the dream I have seen The Handmaid's Tale although I am a few weeks behind on the third series I do absolutely love The Handmaid's Tale I think it's um, it's a superb series I'm really really enjoying that it definitely is yes I was talking to a friend yesterday and she was saying that she'd sort of drifted away from it a bit but it really picks up in the middle of that third season sort of really grips you again yeah because it's not a comfortable watch is it it's uh it is obviously relentlessly brutal and grim, but there's sort of just moments um, of, of kind of hope and, um, you know, kind of positivity in it. Well, if I've got the one criticism of this series is that, well, they would have executed her years ago because she is a <laughs> troublemaker, but they seem to just sort of 
let her carry on doing her thing. It's like they secretly want the system to be destroyed. I don't know. She's got a bit of dirt on them now, now though, hasn't she? Because uh, the um, Mrs. Waterford uh, kind of willingly handed over. Sorry, spoilers if anybody's uh, not seen this, but uh, it, this is uh, this is from two or three months ago now. Uh, she willingly handed the baby over, and then she's um, the, uh, the the husband, the, the commander. She knows a bit about him as well, doesn't she? So I think it's sort of. Yes, yes, she knows all about it. And, uh, yes, there's a lot of shame and secrecy hidden amongst, well, the whole thing about the infertility, which they pretend doesn't really happen, and it Mm. seems to be more the men's fault than the women's, and, uh, yes. Yeah, it's it's like she's using her position as much as she can to sort of exert some influence and power now, and, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, so it's the other thing, uh, the other big series, which I've only seen the first episode of so far, is Catch-22. Have you seen this adaptation of it? Well, the first episode was brilliant, so I've got the next one uh, teed up to watch. We we were going to watch it, but then um, we had some technical problems and it sort of got caught in the slipstream a bit with all the other good stuff. But yeah. yes, that's the um, George Clooney one, isn't it? Do, yeah. We uh, do want to watch that. It's on the list. Hugh Laurie in it as well. Uh, it's a very good cast. Very good. Um, Peaky Blinders has just come back, which I absolutely love as well. I just had two episodes of that on um, consecutive nights. Uh, it looks like it's going to be another excellent series. Yep, I'll be um, picking that up with my other half when he's back from Bergen. Ah, Looking right forward things. to seeing the new Quentin Tarantino film as well. Yes, yes, me too. Yeah. Uh, mm. Heard mixed things, but. Um, I think the kind of people that like the things that I like seem to be enjoying it. So, yes, I mean so. it's always good to see them, even if they are such a visceral experience that you don't really want to see it again. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, sometimes <laughs> once is enough, yes. but it sticks in your mind. And uh, Killing hateful Eve, eight, Killing managed Eve, to see the seventy millimeter version of that, and that oh, was very brilliant. good. Um, yeah, I loved hateful eight as well. That's. Uh, that's great. I think the the kind of run of Inglorious Bastards, Hateful Eight, Django Unchained, um, has been been some of his strongest stuff. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to the new one. Um, I was just thinking as well, Killing Eve. That's the other thing I'm watching at the moment. I think I've got about two episodes left of the second season of that, and that that continues to be to be very very good. Hopefully, the box sets will be up for a while because. Um the long winter evenings are going to soon be upon us, so yes. we'll need some good entertainment to carry us through. That's it. That's it. And it's a it's a year with no Doctor Who at all. I know. Um, apart from the Blu-ray box sets. Well, you know, haven't they been wonderful? Definitely. Um, and the and the season ten, which we're, we're going to talk about, is, is no exception. I think. Yes, yeah, I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, seeing all the stories again, um, sometimes with the updated uh, special effects, but uh, mm-hmm. that's incidental, that's window dressing, isn't it? It's the stories that are so strong and um, such a brilliant cast. Yes, yeah. Is this um, a season that you've got sort of, uh, particularly strong memories of or anything? Well, I was... Well, it was 1973 it was broadcast so I was four years old so mm. I was um, I was I think I was aware that I'd been watching Doctor Who for some time but I wasn't really taking in much of it I don't think but mm. I do remember seeing um, 
Planet of the Daleks, and I do remember seeing the Green Death. I mean, I've got very strong memories of the Doctor dressed as a cleaner yeah. <laughs> and the Doctor dressed as the milkman. <laughs> you know, that stuck in my mind when, when I was a little girl. Yeah, the humour in this season is is amazing, isn't it? The um, I think mm. like Planet of the Daleks is probably the one that it doesn't doesn't have a lot of humour in it, and I think it's not really a hallmark of a Terry Nation script, is it? Um, I understand when no. once Douglas Adams had, had script edited Destiny of the Daleks, he wasn't very happy with it that um, that he put <laughs> put the gags in there. Um, but the rest of the season, um, like you say, the, the Doctor dressed as a cleaner in the, in the Green Death is a, is a standout moment. Um, <laughs> yes, and he, he did a pretty good milkman yeah. as well, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Roger Delgado just gets so many great witty lines uh, in his final performance in The Frontier in Space. Um, the, the bit where he, he's got the Doctor and Joe in the prison cell and the Doctor's escaped and he's doing the spacewalk, so Joe's just got to keep kind of talking so it looks as though they're having a conversation. Um, but the Master realises something's, uh, something's amiss mm. because I think he tries to talk to the Doctor and the Doctor doesn't answer. And when he comes in the room and Joe's just kind of gabbling away and he says, uh, thank you, Miss Grant, we'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very much so. I mean, I wonder if she had to ad-lib that because apparently when she was talking into the tape machine in Planet of the Daleks, she ad-libbed all of that. Yeah, yeah, I wonder. It's, uh, yeah, very, very good though. Um, mm. And, and uh, the bit where he pretend, he's on the radio and he pretends to be the sort of the, the police who are, who've caught up with the stolen ship and he sort of puts on a bit of a Cockney accent. And <laughs> the <doctor's laughs> He's really having a blast. Yeah, yeah. The, the doctor's really earnestly trying to uh, explain what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, um, yeah, all, all that kind of stuff I, uh, I really love. Uh, but I think you were saying um, that you, your partner was um, a, bit, a bit driven to distraction with Katie Manning, was that? Well, yeah, I mean, she's, she's adorable, isn't she? But you mm-hmm. could understand if you didn't know who she was, you'd be yeah. like, who <laughs> is this crazy little pixie woman <laughs> so is this so, is, is this in in the stories or in the, uh, the in all of the stuff? extras you yeah. know um when she's sitting on the sofa with john levine and richard franklin and mm-hmm. uh, oh and talking of john levine how much of a torch is he carrying for katie manning he <laughs> obviously absolutely worships her <laughs> It's, they're a very eccentric trio, aren't they? Um, <laughs> I mean, I've so never fun. actually met Katie Manning, but I did meet John Levine and um, Richard Franklin at uh, conventions many years ago. Mm-hmm. And I saw, because Richard Franklin used to do Daddy Wouldn't Buy Me a Bow Wow in the cabaret when they used to have the cabarets. Right. Sort of chucking a stuffed cat around the place. but <laughs> Right. <laughs> Yeah, and he's sort of um, almost cuddling into Katie Manning, isn't he? Throughout the yeah, uh, throughout the um, the behind the sofa features. Yeah, well, they're all very cozy together, and yeah. it's nice. Yeah, but it is sort of a bit like um, I don't know, kind of watching with your grandparents or something. When um, I think it's in the Three Doctors one, isn't it? When um, the, uh, the the weather balloons come down, <laughs> you've got you got this sort of the big silver um, balloon bit, and he goes. Which monster is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, they're um, they're quite. And it was like I was um, when um, I talked about the season eighteen box set with Jason uh, a few weeks ago about the uh, when you had John Leeson and Tom Baker on the sofa, um, and it was like the um, the, the sort of half mass trousers and the, and the old man socks. Um, mm. John, John Levine and Richard. Yeah, Hunter. John Levine. I mean, he's rocking um, that look, isn't yeah. he? <laughs> Carry on that, that <laughs> fine tradition. Yeah. Um, well, uh, apparently, um, Richard Franklin once stood as a UKIP candidate in a general election. Mm. Oh, we all have our off days, don't we? Yeah. But, uh, uh, yes, it's. Because uh, mm. <laughs> uh, really, it, it was quite funny, was it? I suppose the juxtaposition there, because you've got on, on the other sofa, you've got um, the, the, the kind of the younger ones. You've got Phil Collinson, uh, Pete Mc, McTeague, I'm not sure how you pronounce that actually, and, and, and Joy Wilkinson. Um, obviously, Pete and Joy were two of the writers for Series Eleven, um, and they're kind of making um, you know the kind of the links with uh, with Brexit and things like that, aren't they? With the uh, with the Carnival of Monsters, um, yes. And then that's what occurred to me when we're cutting back to uh, <laughs> to sort of Richard Franklin and everything, who's uh, <laughs> probably quite happy with that. Uh, but definitely a season, I think that. Uh, you, know, you hear people complaining about like recent seasons, like like season eleven, uh, like series eleven, and they say, "Oh, you know, well, Doctor Who shouldn't have a message or anything, should it? It should just be a straightforward escapist uh, adventure series." Um, and you think they probably are thinking back to things like uh, season ten, um, but it's it's got loads of subtext. It's got it's got messages. It's you know, there's, there's it's not hidden, is it? It's it's, it's there to see. Absolutely. I mean, you've got Robert Holmes, who's very politically engaged mm-hmm. and um, very keen on um, ecology, as it was called back then. You know, it's uh, yeah, and a bit and big for Barry Letts as well. Yeah, about that. And you've got the, um, the as, as they point out as well, sort of the fake news stuff in Frontier in Space. Yes. Yeah, that's um, really very poignant. That uh, does does strike a chord. Yeah, it's uh, the, the scene where they're in the sort of draconian throne room, um, and the master's sort mm. of enjoying himself, sort of spinning a yarn about you know how he's um, he's a champion for justice and, and everything, and uh, the, just the doctor's frustration um, and kind of outrage at that. It, it does kind of uh, make you think about not only everything that's going on in the UK and America. Um, but for me, I was kind of thinking like it's it's that sort of thing of because um, I had a shit of a little brother as well who would just kind of <laughs> do stuff and then lie about it and you just you get that frustration that like no that is not the truth um, and I think uh, you know it's part of the reason why you get so angry as well about um, about what's going on now because it kind of reminds me of, of being a kid a little bit you know. <laughs> well, yes. I mean, we've been totally uh, disenfranchised and taken out of the loop and. Um just left to let the grown-ups make a complete mess of it all on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is it. It's, uh, it, it kind of makes you, you realise, though, that these that these aren't new problems. That No, they're really not. And if you go back and look at, well, anything from the 60s and 70s, anything like The Prisoner or The Avengers or Callan or anything, and you see political expediency in its purest form, you know, that doesn't change. Mm. <laughs> That's always been there. And in the jobs that I've had over the years, I've also seen it myself. You know, it's something that shouldn't happen, but they've decided that it has to happen. So they just do it, mm. you know? 
<laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if it seems more, more I don't know, somehow with, with social media, it's, it seems easier to manipulate people and, uh, you know, people get into echo chambers and, and only listen to news sources which back up their own worldview and whether, you know, in a way that's It's quite interesting, it though, when you look at um, the various responses to a... You know, if a, someone who's anti-Brexit makes a fairly controversial comment, then you see all the comments underneath. And so you do get to see both sides because both sides are responding there. Yeah. But, um, and again, with Donald Trump, you know, although his supporters tend to have shorter sentences like, pray for the president who's with me rather than... <laughs> <laughs> No, you've done this, 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 and this. What yeah. you say just simply isn't true. <laughs> I think it's the same here. It's sort of leave means leave. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's a fairly standard I mean, response. I mean, obviously, people who are stood in favour of Brexit, they have their reasons, and a lot of them are articulated quite well. But uh, yeah, oh, I, it's a divided nation. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't met that many. I, I started a new job three weeks ago, and the, the guy that I now sit next to is, uh, is all for a no-deal Brexit. Um, but when I speak to him about it, he says, well, well, the UK can't make their own laws. So, yes, they can. Like, that's, <laughs> that blatantly <laughs> isn't true. Um, you know, what, what do you think the House of Commons and the House of Lords are doing? And he said, well, well you know, yeah, sometimes you wonder, yeah. don't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the fact that they can't make laws while they're suspended, but I don't think it doesn't seem to be bothering him too much. Um, and he says, well, well, John Claude Juncker wasn't elected. Go, yes, he was. <laughs> he was elected by the leaders of the uh, 28 EU nations. So basically, whittled it down to everything he said was a load of crap. And then it was just like, well, we were better off standing on our own two feet. Well, we shall see. Just hope he stockpiled any medications he might be needing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's some, there's a, a podcast I really like called The Romaniacs, and they were sort of making the point that, that, that sometimes when you've had a conversation like this, you almost feel like, well, fine, let's have a no-deal Brexit then, and because only then will they believe how bad it is. Um, yeah, but even, exactly. I mean, it, it's almost getting to that point now. They've left so little time. Yeah. And, they're, you know, they've had since May an OK MPs need terribly long summer holidays for some yeah. reason. <laughs> um, they, uh, they have left themselves with no time. Mm-hmm. So um, this is it. They're uh, they're going to have a no deal Brexit, and they're, so they're going to have to see how much money it's actually going to take to get the goods and services that people are going to need. This is it. But my, my my fear is even then they won't actually blame the politicians who have fooled them into supporting this. They'll blame the EU. They'll blame the Remainers for not getting behind it. You know, I think even if well, I mean, they'll happens, blame the EU. <laughs> And that's very easy for them to do and difficult for people to refute because the EU is taking, looking after the interests of the remaining 27 member states. So, um, Absolutely, yeah. I mean, anybody that expected them to change their rules as a reward for us leaving um, is, is insane. Sadly delusional, yes. And, of course, uh, yeah, but uh, thinking about what's going to happen in Ireland is also a problem. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah bad times well I mean hope isn't lost yet because we're not there yet no that's it a lot can happen but I don't think all the petitions and marches in the world are going to make much difference at this stage they didn't listen to the last ones no 
um, it's, it's difficult because you feel like that's all, all you can do, really. Um, you know, I'd sign any number of petitions that come along. Six million people signed the revoke Article 50 um, Yes, yeah, including me. Um, but, but you know, didn't didn't really get listened to or anything. Um, I write to my MP. Um, I must have written to him about 20, 30 times this year. He's replied twice, um, both times to say, basically, if it comes down to it, he'll support a no-deal Brexit. And then today there was um, he, uh, my, my wife was at a uh, networking event where he was, where he said that um, any intelligent person can see that this is the best thing because uh, it'll break the deadlock in Parliament. But it won't break the deadlock in Parliament. The, the, <laughs> the deadlock will still be there. It's just that Parliament's suspended. It's like saying I've, yeah. lo- I've locked myself out of the house, but... Uh, you know, I'll just go for a long walk and that'll sort of solve the problem. Still going to be there when you come back. Still be locked out. Oh, dear. Yeah. it's uh, So, yeah, I'm going to give up writing to him because it's absolutely pointless. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like it is, yeah. I yeah. mean, um, I've been out of the UK for more than 15 years now, so I'm not allowed to vote anymore. But mm. my last constituency I lived in was Worthing. So my MP was Sir Peter Bottomley and obviously... He I was never going to vote for him anyway, but mm. uh, yeah, he was interested. If someone wrote to him about parking or if someone wrote to him about the hospital or something, he would respond. But national affairs, no, he mm. didn't see that as part of his remit as a local MP. Yeah. So it's like you say, of course, it's it's not really got that much worse, has it? It's just. <laughs> <laughs> It's always been there. We're just well, in a particular confluence of events now, I suppose, where it seems like all the worst people are in charge and in positions of, of power and authority. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, on the plus side, maybe global warming will wipe us all out in a couple of weeks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, does, yeah, always look on the, on the bright side. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, we really have um, <laughs> taken a detour, haven't we? Yeah. That's what happens when you listen to too many Highlanders podcasts. Yes, that's right. Yeah. You just think, oh, let's just go off on a quick tangent here. <laughs> I mean that caringly, John and Law. Yeah. You're lovely. <laughs> yes. And it's good good to see the Highlanders back and celebrate. Definitely their, is, yes. Celebrating their 100th episode. Uh, oh, I haven't listened to that yet. I'm about halfway through it. Very much enjoying it. Okay, have they actually started talking about the episode yet? Um, not yet. <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> a classic format for it's, them. Uh, I'm, I'm one hour, seven minutes in, and I think they're, they're just about to press play. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. That's what we like to see. Yeah. That's how it's done. So um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. If anyone doesn't listen to the Highlanders podcast, it's always extremely entertaining. <laughs> And, and broadly about Doctor Who. Well, it's broadly about all sorts yes. of things because uh, there are a couple of uh, chaps with a broad range of interests. So, uh, yeah, that's the only problem with it is I always um, it just I've got my list of sort of like things to watch and to read always grows after every episode, so it's uh, <laughs> get further and further behind. Oh, I've given up on all of that stuff. I haven't got enough years left in my life to read and watch all the things I want to read and watch. So, uh. yeah, it's uh, it's difficult. And we've got to rewatch uh, Doctor Who as they come out in a new format every few years. Yes, yeah. Well, that's a luxury problem, I think. Yeah. I mean, just, you're talking to somebody who went to see The Wizard of Oz on the big screen on Saturday. Oh, lovely! I've never seen it in a cinema before. So. 
Ah, very nice. Mm, it was so good. Good. Yeah, they've started doing some outdoor screenings at the, the race course near where I live, so I'm going to look out for some, uh, see what's coming along to that. Uh, it's only been recent movies so far, but yeah, there's a, a lot of classic movies I'd like to see. Um, I'd love to see some Bond movies on the big screen, really. They, um, I think The View Cinema started doing some a few, uh, maybe like two or three years ago, but the, the one here didn't get any of them. They were doing double bills, so they do a double bill of Sean Connery films, Roger Moore films, Timothy Dalton. Okay. Films, but, uh, but we never got them, so... Um, but yeah. no, it is worth it sometimes just to take a step back and go and watch a classic film mm. in a cinema and there's a couple of quite good ones in Oslo for that so uh, we keep an eye on these things although sometimes they have uh, they have a very very old film copy like from the original distribution <laughs> that's not always so good yeah uh, yeah and you think like sort of Star Wars people are clamouring for the, for the original editions aren't they without the sort of updated Special effects mm. they did in the late nineties, uh, which um, I think you know I've never had a, a DVD or a Blu-ray release or anything like that. The so we touched on mm. the behind the sofas, um, which I think uh, I love that feature. I think it's uh, it's they're so great. And the the Green Death one's about an hour long, isn't it? It's a really nice one. Yes, yeah, it really is. I mean, they've got a lot to say, and. Um they're all in it, of course, so they've all yes. got more input for it. <laughs> that's the yeah, I've heard that so many times. I guess it's what the uh, that's what the the, the old unit um, cast say, isn't it? And the um, we're all um, in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like it could become one of those uh, one of those memes, doesn't it? Like London, nineteen sixty-five. We're all in it. Yeah, um, and then there's the uh, on the final disc you've got the documentary, the Third Man, which yes. uh, covers the whole Third Doctor era. Um, that really, was really really, really good. Work, yes, yeah. um, Matthew Sweet's just great at those. Um, and then there's um, the interview with Katie Manning on that. I think you get some some new anecdotes which I hadn't really heard before, and I think that's that's what he's really good at on these when he did this uh, the, the the Peter Davison interview. Things like that, you, you don't get the stories that you've heard a few times at conventions and on other DVD extras. Uh, you just get a little bit more out of them, I think. Mm, yeah, it's um, quite intimate, some of the interviews, and uh, talking to Stephen Moffat and Mark Gatiss about it as well. Yeah, I really like that as well. It was interesting because it's the perspective of, of people who've had to make it, um, mm. but, but but also as total, you know, total fans of of the show and the era as well so it's uh, yes and talking about the CSO and um, mm. how you got teased in the playground if people knew you liked Doctor Who but the special effects had been a bit rubbish that week and uh, yeah that's it uh, um, but I know, I know Matt Gates particularly is a big fan of that era um, one of his books is The Last of the Gadarene um, and is a real kind of love letter to to the to the Pertwee era and um, is is another attempt like the final game that we mentioned to to give Pertwee sort of a, a farewell story like a proper farewell with the with the third Doctor. Uh, it's a nice one, and he also did the audio book of Planet of the Daleks, which is very good. Uh, the you know sort of reading of the Target novelization, mm. uh, which I think is the only one he's done, but but you know a story that uh, you know particularly means a lot to him. Yes, uh, it is. Uh... It is one of the good ones. I remember um, 
had a the Dalek omnibus, and uh, I think there's slightly abridged versions of sort of novelizations of the stories. And I remember, I think I was under the covers with a torch reading, reading the Planet of the Spiders one. Absolutely mm. gripped. Yeah, I was uh, the same when I was a kid. It was um, it was sort of like a case of you know you knock your light out and you're not allowed to read. So um, you'd be have a torch or um, one house um, we lived in when when I was a kid. There was sort of a glass panel above the door. Um, oh right, yeah. And um, my little brother was always a bit of a wimp about you. He always needed the the landing light on because um, he was scared. So it was great for me because I had this sort of shaft of light that would. Uh, shine into my room and I would sort of lean out of bed and hold the book into this, uh, this sort of beam of light <laughs> um, and then just kind of can read a whole target novelization or something like that you know at night time yep. yeah mm. love those yeah there's been a, a really good Doctor Who magazine special edition recently on the target books actually uh, which is um, yeah very very good Yes, I still have a lot of mine in uh, in a box in my mum in a wardrobe at my mum's house. So uh, I have to bring them all over sometime. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They're, uh, I, I yeah, I still um, occasionally pick one up and read it. It's uh, they're. Uh, I don't think I could ever bear to get rid of them, even though you've, like you say you've got them on DVD, Blu-ray, mm. and like that. They're just such a such a childhood yeah. memory of, um, of. You can remember where where I got a lot of them as well. Mm, and how they smelt the smell of a new target novelization yeah uh, well I was probably because uh, I was sort of collecting them at the probably the tail end of when they were still coming out mm. so for me it was a lot of like if I could get into a second hand bookshop or something like that uh, oh, right, and, yeah. and have a good sort of route around and uh, try and find the ones that didn't have car boot sales and things you know just get used to sort of like your eyes would scan along and see the little target mm. logo and you'd be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were good to spot, weren't they? Yeah, yes. it was a great, uh, great way of distinguishing them on the shelves. And yeah, yeah, but the, there are some surprise. I mean, some of the other um, extras, um, like the Looking for Lenny documentary. Did you watch that? Yeah, that's it's uh, really moving that one, isn't it? That was um, probably the the only. Th- thing that so my wife got um interested in while we we're watching i was just sort of you should normally just kind of on the ipad or something like that if i'm watching a bit of doctor who but she was really gripped by that as well just a really moving story of this of this guy and, and how much he meant to people yeah i mean usually you know you see the interviews with the various designers and directors and things and a lot of the time that you know they're they seem like really, really nice people, but mm-hmm. you know, there's not a lot to them. And he just sounds like such an amazingly colourful character, Lenny Maine. Yeah. So he was Australian, and he was originally a dancer and then a choreographer, and then he got into directing. And um, a bit of a surprise, you saw an interview with Bernard Cribbins is interviewed in this. Yeah, because beforehand, um, Chris Chapman, who I follow on Twitter, who who works on these DVD sets, he was sort of saying, "Oh, you know, once you get the set, please don't spoil, uh, you know, who the, you know, who some of the, the participants are in this." And I was thinking, oh, you "Oh dear!" Be. So I've just done that now. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's um, I think it's been it's been discussed now. I think this was just sort of mm. in the um, in the first couple of weeks because uh, the set's been out like a couple of months now isn't it yeah it has um, it was uh, delivered in July yeah yes. so it's um, yeah I think I think they're sort of the, the statute of limitations lifted now um, mm. so yeah that was um, it was one of the first one to watch because I was thinking well who can it be 
uh, that they wouldn't want it spoiled. Um, but yeah, really nice, really good to see him on there. Um, and it shows the the that Lenny, you know, he made genuine friendships with the people he worked with as well. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a case of the usual sort of oh, you know, we all had a great time together. Uh, you know, he forged these uh, these real friendships where people are still mourning and missing him you know, decades later. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, he died very young in that yeah. boating accident. Tell you something else that struck me from that documentary, though. Toby Haydock, he has got some majorly cool stuff, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> All those cushion covers and everything else. I mean, blimey. Yeah, that's a lot of the um, Clayton Hickman stuff you can get off Redbubble. Okay. Um, he, um, so it, it was product placement, was it? Yeah. Well, that I yeah. was admiring there. <laughs> yeah. We'll just have to go around and burgle his house. I can uh, buy my own. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, you can. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes if um, if uh, people haven't seen that stuff. Um, I've got a couple of T-shirts from him. Uh, I've got the one with the, you know, the the doctor's calling card from Remembrance of the Daleks. And if you remember um, that story. Yeah, is it a question mark? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it's it's sort of like a stylized question mark and some. Um, uh, I think it's like, is it Theta Sigma, the, um, the the Greek letters for Theta Sigma? Oh, could be. Right, yes, of course. Uh, something like that. I've got the, the Robo men, uh, the, you know, the sort of the uh, graffiti type stuff that's on their, their clothes in the Dalek Invasion of Earth. And from the faceless ones, the Chameleon Tours logo on a T-shirt. So, okay. Yeah. Quite like the ones that, very, very nice, subtle stuff then. Well, that's what I like, you see. Yeah, one, two. Mm. Uh, only other Doctor Who fans would, would recognise it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I would. Um, I'd be very self-conscious in, you know, you see these sort of like University of Gallifrey T-shirts and things like that. Mm, yeah, yeah, you see a lot of those in the sort of... Um, Jack Daniels style one with Gallifrey written on it and yeah, um, yeah all the a, rest of it, yeah. At my age, I'd be a bit more self-conscious in, uh, in that type of stuff, I think. But. I mean, I, I might buy myself something like that, but I'd probably just end up sleeping in it. I wouldn't yeah. <laughs> necessarily wear it out. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't mainly want mine at conventions and stuff. I suppose it doesn't really matter as well. No. So you're not a cosplayer then? No. No, um, again, I'd just be far too self-conscious for anything like that. Um, it's just great when you go to a convention, you see see some really brilliant ones and the, the time and the effort that people have put in. But, yeah, I think that's that's where I would fall down. I, I don't have that kind of time and I'm not much mm. of a seamstress. So, uh, yeah, it wouldn't really work. And plus, you know, the only person I can really seriously cosplay is Sarah Jane Smith from the Sarah Jane Adventures. So, uh, <laughs> I've reached that point in my life. She hasn't really got a, a, a particularly sort of uh, iconic outfit or anything either, has she, from that that you, you would you would point to and say, oh, that's Sarah Jane Smith from the Sarah Jane Adventures. She, she just dresses like a modern woman, you know, kind of. Uh, mm. Yeah, a modern woman sort of 15 years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is pretty much me as well, I guess. <laughs> uh, so we'll be... Um, Seen some cosplayers and, and whatnot at the Warp Convention a week on Sunday? We will, yes. I'll be getting on a plane to Manchester and, uh, yes, looking forward to it very much. Brilliant. So it'll be really good to meet you in person for the first time as well. Yeah, you too. And Keith and uh, 
Well, Pete, I've met before, of course, but I haven't met yeah. uh, Colin either. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a good um, sort of a trap one get together. Co-hosts assemble. That's it. So we'll, uh, mm. we'll we'll try and record something while we're there. That'll be that'll be really good fun. And you, I think you were saying it's the first convention that you'll have done. First convention I've been to for oh, I'm afraid to say, thirty years. <laughs> so what, can you remember what the last one was? Well, yeah, it was the one that my friend Maria um, organised in Reading in 1989, which she's Thatcham Pink Hatters on Twitter. And um, she, uh, it was called Shangri-La, named after the holiday camp in um, Delta in the Bannermen. Right. And had some pretty good guests and had a good auction and raised some money for charity. And uh, I was one of her redcoats. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So who, who was there? Um, Colin Baker was there, I think, and um, Terry Wisher. No, I'm getting my Terry Malloy. I'm getting my Davroses confused. <laughs> Terry Malloy was there, and um, quite a few other people. And the person who played the little girl. In, oh um, yeah, Remembrance of the Daleks. Yes, she was there as well. Justine Beaks or whatever her name was, and mm. uh, she was. Obviously, quite a leggy teenager by that point, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, quite some interesting guests as I remember. But like I say, very long time ago. <laughs> Brilliant. Obviously, that would have been the, the the last year it was on TV as well. Yes. Yeah, it was. Although we didn't really know it at the time. No. No, that's it. So it'd be interesting to get your perspective on how conventions have, have changed as well. I mean, there's. Uh, I think they've evolved in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. I think um, having new Doctor Who and there's a lot more female fans than there used to be and it's become a family thing too. People bring their children along, don't they? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think um, any changes will have been positive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, my, I went to one when I was a kid, about 1996. Um, and, yeah, it was just all men. It's that was the difference. I didn't go to another one till about sort of 2012, I think. Um, and, and yeah, that was the difference. It was, it was about 50 50 at that point. Uh, it was really good to see. Uh, this is a new series, it was out by then and it just seemed to open it up, didn't it? To um, to a sort of a wider audience, yeah, yeah. And um, people have grown up and uh, their children are watching it now. And um, I mean, the only thing that also that's changed is we didn't have selfies and photographs with the stars back in those days. It was just mm. you get an autograph and you know they'd have postcards or something, or you bring them something to sign. But yeah. uh, money did not change hands for that no. back in those days. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think that's that's the difference, even from the the nineties one. Mm. Uh, so, did you ever meet John Pertwee? I the, the one I went to in '96 was just a couple of months before he died. Um, so, I felt really sort of privileged to have to have met him then. Uh, I never met him, but I saw him on stage doing the Doctor Who: The Ultimate Adventure. Oh wow! Yeah, so uh, that was what was that 1989 or something at the Wimbledon Theatre. Yeah, I think so. I saw him do it, and then a few months later, I saw Colin Baker do it. Oh, brilliant! That's great. Um, yeah, I think Big Finish have adapted that, haven't they? But I've never heard it. Well, I've still got memories of the songs. (laughs) Oh, I didn't didn't actually realize it was a musical. 
Oh, yeah. Well, neither did some of the cast, I don't think. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there's one particular song called Business is Business, which just will stay in your head for the rest of your life. Ah, That makes me want to sort of uh, seek out the Big Finish one now and see what that's like. Well, tell you what, if you do that, we can podcast about it, can't we? Yes, deal. Yeah, that'll be um, that'll be interesting actually because uh, AA can compare it to the to your memories of the live one. Uh, well, of course, the le- the live one at the time it had a lot of laser effects as well, and that was quite new mm. for for that time. That was quite brown- groundbreaking. So um. that's something I wondered about um, when I was watching the Frontier in Space when the Doctor's in prison on the moon. <laughs> They get those little baby cups to drink out. Are they called tippy cups? The um, you know the little plastic cup that's um, it's mm, sort of a lid yeah. and a little bit of it. And it's just really strange because it's like a, a cup that you would give a toddler, isn't it, so that they don't spill. And I was thinking, is this something that had just been released at the time and they thought looked a bit futuristic and strange, so they'll put it in? Uh, you know, because it's like the thing in Remembrance of the Daleks where they had those um, those sort of globes, you know, that have got the oh yes, the yeah, you could them. like you could like buy them in the novelty shops and stuff. The one where you put your hand in the electrical yeah. On the making things. of that, I think they talk about how it was this new thing and nobody had seen them, so they thought, well, that's well, we, we use that in the story. I think it's is it the time manipulator or something like that. And said, mm. oh, it looked really cool and futuristic, but even I think by the time the story was broadcast. They were out in all the novelty shops. <laughs> it ruined the effect yeah. a little bit. Um, but you used to see that. I mean, that's been a feature of Doctor Who, which is sort of one of one of its homespun charms in a way. That and I think um, it even happens today, where um, you'd be like back in the seventies, you'd be in W. H. Smiths and you'd see some holographic like sellotape, you know, mm-hmm. like gold holographic sellotape and then you're watching power of crawl and people have got it all over their uniforms it's their (laughs) insignia you know and then like um the one um with with the zygons in um quite recently they uh when um when clara is squeezing out the black toothpaste well i've got some black toothpaste yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's like ooh, the world's gone mad. It's black toothpaste. But no, I've got some of that. You know, there's yeah. nothing funny about it. It's probably uh, bubble wrap's probably the the other big one, isn't it? That uh, mm. was probably quite a new thing in the seventies when you know, kind of around the time of the arc in space. Ah, uh, but they did they did spray it green though. To be fair, yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally unrecognisable as bubble wrap at that point. Mm. But yeah, the the the, the tippy cup thing I thought was. I think, is that, is that, I think that's what they're called, isn't it? Yeah, I think they're called that now, or sippy cups, or something. But, yeah. uh, but I thought that was a yeah. really odd thing for them to be uh, to be drinking mm. out of um, all these adults. Well, we're on the moon. Mm. If the artificial gravity fails, we're all going to spill our coffee, so we'd better have these special cups. <laughs> I bet that's the reason. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> disaster prevention, health yeah. and safety. Uh, but it's a, such a yeah, that's well, what would be your favourite story from from season ten? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, I I've got big love for the Carnival of Monsters. I mm. mean, uh, that was one of the five faces of Doctor Who. Yeah, things that they showed before Peter Davison's first season, 
and um, one of that collection of stories. And although, of course, it was the 80s, and if you were in the 80s, you were really cringing about 70s fashions and 70s hairstyles, mm. you know, I was still gripped by the story. And watching it again this time, I was, I mean, I absolutely adore the character of Shermer. Yes. Vogue's assistant. Yeah. I mean, she is she is feisty. She has figured out how the machine works. She knows what the error lights mean. She knows she's got some idea of how to fix it and where the bits are and what needs to be done. You know, she is so cool. Yeah, she's great, isn't she? It's, I mean, it's probably... she could have been just a bimbo, you know, but she was, you know, every bit as equal to Katie Manning's yeah. as Joe Grant in that story. Yeah, and it's like you say about Robert Holmes' writing as well. He's, he's too good of a writer, isn't he, to uh, to not make the most of every character like that. Mm. Yes, I mean, the only question is, what on earth was she doing with Vogue? She should have stayed with the dance troupe that she was with, you know. Yeah. There's no way there was a romance between the two of them, you know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, the, uh, there's supposed to be a romance between uh, Glitz and Ace, isn't there? So it's not, maybe not the... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> mm. Maybe not the least likely. Glitz and Eights or Glitz and Mel. Yeah, yeah, both, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's all kinds of wrong. Yeah. I think think Cannibal Monsters might be my favourite story title of uh, of all time. I think it's such a a very Doctor Who story title, isn't it? And and probably before I'd seen it or read the, the target book, it probably, you know, conjured up all kinds of images mm. um of of different stuff. But yeah, such a brilliant idea. Um to and the way it's all unfolds and, and the reveal that the doctor and Joe are, are, are the, the the ship is inside the mini scope, it's it's really well handled, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. The old time loop that reveals that not everything is as it seems and um mm. Ian Martyr, of course. Yeah, yeah, really good to um, to, to have him in a, an early role like that because it was down to him or Richard Franklin for the role of Captain Yates, wasn't it? And then it yeah, I saw that. I didn't know that before I saw the uh, extras, but yes. No, I don't think I did either. Um, and it was just Ian Martin wasn't uh, Ian Martyr wasn't available at that time, so it's uh, it's an interesting sort of what if, isn't it? Hmm. Because um, would have would have played it quite differently, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think he would, and it would perhaps have been a bit harder to accept him as a traitor. Yeah. However, misguided. Yeah, definitely. But then we wouldn't have him as Harry, which I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't mm, swap that. But he anything. was perfect as Harry. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. These uh, these new B and M bargains, Doctor Who figures are uh, sort of trickling out at the moment um i think that seems to be quite a sought after one there's um one of the sets has a harry um i think from well yeah from the from the Santaran experiment because i think he's in a pack with a couple of Santarans. um i think that's going to be quite a popular one uh, but uh, not many of the stores have any of them yet yeah i've been seeing things on twitter about people managing to find them yeah, I think it. I think they must be gradually making their way north because uh, mm. it doesn't seem like anywhere around here has had them yet. Ah, uh, oh, well, I've got way too much stuff already. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I started off with the figures that I don't. I don't want any of the figures, and then uh, I think for my birthday one year, I got the as it was then the Eleven Doctors set. 
And I thought, well, it's nice to have one of each of the doctors. And I, I put them by their respective DVDs on the shelf. Um, so then once we got sort of um, John Hurt and, uh, and Peter Capaldi and then more recently Jodie Whittaker, I thought, well, I have to get the full set, so I have to keep buying those. Um, and then I sort of ended up getting a few Daleks from, from um, being in bargains and a few Cybermen. It's just sort of gradually, uh, gradually grown like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying not to just get them all. Uh, so just, just mm. the ones I want. Yeah. Uh, it would be quite nice to have a to have Harry, I suppose. Uh, yes, but then you'd have to have Sarah to play with, and um, I know this is a it's a, yeah it's a thin end of the wedge, isn't it? Mm, yes, if you can't just have one companion, you've got no. to have all the companions. <laughs> if you have one, otherwise it's not fair. No, that's true. But I'm probably better off just leaving. Yeah. Mm. Walk away from the figurines. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, we're talking about the the Highlanders. This is the uh, this is the trap that John's fallen into, isn't it? With the uh, the figurine, the the, mm. the the monthly magazine part work one. That, uh, well, I think he's he's given away now that his apartment must be dimensionally transcendental. Yeah. That's the <laughs> only explanation. You know, been listening to him for years, and he's always buying new stuff, but yeah. he's never moved. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Lol's been Lol's moved house, you know. So uh, obviously he doesn't have a dimensionally transcendental dwelling. But uh, John, I think we should be told. Yes, definitely. Or so, either that, or it's going to collapse into a black hole sometime quite soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The sheer mass of uh, stuff is just going to, yeah, create its own gravity. Mm. <laughs> Uh, so we're talking about favourite favorite stories from season two. Yes, what's yours? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because I think, I was thinking about this when I was watching this, this, this might be my favourite run of stories. Because I think, I think when you watch the the modern series and, and you know, obviously I'll a lot of friends that watch it and things and they say, oh, well, you know, there's, there was a few good ones and there was a few ones that I didn't like. And I always kind of mm. say, yeah, but Doctor Who's always like that, you know. Like there's, um, you know, you pick any season out, and there's some there's some ones that you like, some ones that you don't like. Uh, you know, even even a really strong season's got like, um, you know, the Android invasion in it, for, for example. And obviously, some people like that. I'm just saying, you know, like it's, uh, yeah, personal taste, you know. Um, but this season doesn't. It's got it's got five absolutely brilliant stories. Um, you know, I'd count I'd count them all among my. Uh, my favourite Pertwee ones. I think I think yeah. the, fr- the Frontier in Space is one that I really like. I think because it's got Delgado and Pertwee together, um, and, they're, and they're so good together, um, as with, with Katie Manning in the mix as well, um, with um, you know Delgado's sort of exaggerated politeness towards her and all that kind of stuff. The, the dynamic between those three is brilliant. Um, and the Orgons are great, and, and the way the the way that the master's so frustrated with them as well. Uh, and it's just kind of non-stop action and it moves through. It's like a Bond movie, isn't it? It moves through loads of different mm. locations. And yeah, it's it's an adult story. Mm. It is. Um, I mean, of course, it kicks off with the three Doctors, of course. Yeah, and that, that's what, that would be my other one for for favourite because I love a multi-Doctor meet-up mm. like that. Um, and and Pertwee and, and Troughton together are absolutely fantastic, aren't they? Yes, and they carried on that rapport for many years at conventions and every time they appeared on TV together and 
it was just so fantastic. And I think they said in um, one of the documentaries that it actually worked in their favour that William Hartnell was unfortunately not well enough to fully participate. And so they had the chance to develop this incredible rapport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think some some of the, the interesting stuff you hear about is is how insecure John Pertwee could be about things. Um because I'm not sure if it's on this set, but I, I remember you sort of reading things over the years about how he was a bit worried about being upstaged by Patrick Troughton. Uh, so I think that's why they have quite a few scenes apart. You know, they're not they're not together all the time. Um, and I think it's on the Third Man documentary, isn't it, about when the when they introduced Roger Delgado and the picture on the Radio Times. Oh yes, Terror of the Autons is. You know the, the the master is got is in the foreground with with the doctor and the brigadier enjoying the background and stuff and uh, and that kind of really bothered mm. him. Yes, so they never let that happen again. No, um, I, I was listening to quite recently um, Barry Letts uh, the the audio book of his autobiography uh, Who and Me, um, which is only only ninety nine p on eBay. Um, it's a really really Ooh. interesting listen, um, and he talks about Pertwee. It's obviously got great fondness for him. Um, but but doesn't so hold back from saying you, you're talking a little bit about how insecure he was and things, um, and and he puts it down to stories that that John Pertwee told him about um, his dad and and his family and he was sort of when he was younger he was the butt of the jokes and not really taken seriously and, and things like that. So he developed yeah. comedy and humour as a self defence. Yeah, yeah. Like and so then, many people do. That's it, and then was was I think a bit worried about being taken seriously as a as a serious actor later on. Um, but yeah, and the other thing that, that was interesting about Alex talks about is he felt that Pertwee could be a little bit manipulative as well in terms of getting people to do things for him. Uh, he said that he had John Levine sort of driving him round the, the country, and um, that uh, you know he, he would try and sort of uh, you know kind of use BBC resources to. Uh, <laughs> Uh, to, to to get stuff done, I think he um, he said his back had gone one day, so he uh, he phoned Violet and said, "Well, can I get a BBC car to take me to the chiropractor?" <laughs> and Violet's just sort of saying, "Well, anybody else would have just jumped in a taxi." But uh, <laughs> uh, so that that was uh, that was interesting as well. It's um, it's, uh, it's a very good book. I would recommend that kind of uh, yeah inside track on uh, on the, uh, the, the the making of that era. Yeah, that does sound. I mean, that does sound really interesting. Yes, and uh, the personal takes on these things. I mean, this is what makes the extras that are on the DVDs and the Blu-rays so fascinating. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And it's, I suppose, the, the the other thing about this season is you've got the, the the sort of the sad side of it is it's it's the last time we'll see Hartnell on screen as the Doctor. Mm. Last time we see Roger Delgado as the Master, and, and obviously at the very end is is Katie Manning leaving the series as well. Uh, well, I mean, I enjoyed um, keeping up with the Joneses. Yes. Where she's reunited with Stuart Bevan and they go back to the location of um, where they filmed The Green Death, yeah. driving around in Bessie. Yeah, it's lovely that, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, a beautiful relationship between them both and they talked to people who were there when they filmed and... Well, it left me grinning like a loon. Yeah. Well, I, the, the other thing I hadn't realised, I think, until I watched this set, was that they were in a relationship at the time. I think I did know that from before. I think I had seen that before. To... Right. Um, but it, it shows, I think, in the chemistry 
on screen um, very much. Um, the, the, the sort of the scene where the um, they're just sitting by the fire and they, they almost kiss and mm. then the doctor walks in. Um, it's uh, it's very well done and again, like you say, it's, it's quite sort of adult storytelling, isn't it? For Yes, for yeah, time, it is. You know, I mean, um, to also, I mean, uh, I think because um, Joe's she's quite dressed up and quite pretty and quite princessy in that story as well, you know. So mm. it's like here's her handsome prince, yeah, coming to take her away. That's it. Because in in the, the the previous story, the the planet of the Daleks, uh, there's there's kind of a a love interest for her in, in one of the Thals, isn't there? That, uh, yeah, um, Lartep. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think it's a bit like, you know, between Leela and Andred. Yeah. You see them sort of <laughs> running around hand in hand. But, uh, yeah, she she's not right bothered about him, you know. She no. could have had King Peladon. you yeah. know. She's, <laughs> she's not going to settle for no soldier. <laughs> Yeah, it's a choice between living on Peladon, Scarrow, or Wales, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer, isn't it? Well, she was going off to the Amazon, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, she wasn't staying in Wales, that's true, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the clincher. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's, um, that's, a, that's a great story as well. It's, I think it's one of these where I think my favourite would, would vary day by day. Well, that's it. I mean, you're in different moods on different days, and sometimes you're in the mood to watch this film, TV show, Doctor Who story. It's just how life is, and we've got something for every occasion and every mood. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a a cracking set of stories, and well worth uh, the money to buy them on on Blu-ray to to get the the extra features. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I mean, I've uh, in the last few months I've devoured season eighteen, season nineteen, and now season ten on the Blu-rays. At the same time, still going through my chronological order watching of the stories as well. I'm into Peter Capaldi's first season, and I'm with all due respect to Peter Capaldi, his stories do not stack up compared to what we had back then. I think I've come to the controversial conclusion that classic Who is usually better than modern Who. Sorry. No, I'd, I'd agree with that. As much as I, as much as I love the modern series as well, and particularly the Capaldi era, um, he's, he's been my favourite of the modern Doctors. Um, I, I, I tend to reach for the, uh, particularly the seventies stuff, as my first choice. Yeah. And, you, you know, obviously there's an element of nostalgia and there's elements of times past and performers that are now gone. And, yeah. But, yeah, um, there's something so refreshing about the storytelling as it mm. was then. Yeah. And even for me, I, I wasn't born when this was out, but it's still kind of my childhood from UK Gold and, and VHS mm. and... Uh, you know, I think um, I think probably the point I was making earlier. You know, a little bit about the uh, you know when when we we think back to the the classic series and, and this season is an exception. You know, when when we've had the VHSs, we've been totally selective about about what we can watch. So it gives you a slightly different um, a different perspective on the era because you sort of think, well, I'll just I'm going to pull out a classic and watch it. Um, 
but there are there are so many great stories yes there really are i mean i just watched um time heist the caretaker and um kill the moon mm. and uh, i mean actually time heist stand, stands up pretty well and the caretaker i mean the story's a bit light but mm. the concept is really good and there's some great moments but but kill the moon it's never going to be a favorite of mine i suppose the the concept really of the caretaker does mirror the green death a little bit doesn't it in the you know the companion finding a love interest the you know the doctor not quite knowing how to handle that a little bit Mm. there are some there are some parallels there yeah I mean, there's that lovely sweet moment when the doctor thinks that Clara is romantically involved with the other English teacher, <laughs> Adrian, because he looks a bit like Matt Smith, maybe, yeah. in a dark room. And, uh, you know, which would have been very sweet if it was true, but yeah. of course, that was a, you know. That was a good uh, a good joke, though, on that one. Yeah, it was a good, uh, it was a good guy. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I suppose the, the, the other thing about season 10 is that this Blu-ray set has sold out already. Really? Yeah, be- I think I believe before season eighteen has. Wow. Yeah, but I, from what I've from what I've read, I understand that that is also because it was released earlier here than um, places like Australia this time. So some of that could be that um, you know Australians buying it, uh, so they don't have to wait for the I think region four they are down now the region four release. Um, and I think I saw somebody from Australia on Twitter talking about how they've changed the packaging in Australia as well. So okay. If they, uh, if they want the set to all match up on the shelf, um, that they you know they're buying the UK versions because they they match the like the first three of the of the Australian ones, uh, and from the sort of the so the fourth release isn't it season ten onwards it's got it's got a different design. Which seems very early to start to start messing with fans and their uh, mm. uh, and their spines and things. I was hoping. Oh, that, don't mess with the spines! I was hoping that this would be, and, and hopefully they won't change them here. But I was hoping this would be the set where <laughs> it is all just uniform and the logos are all at the right height and it all matches. You know. <laughs> well, mm. I've got three of the four that have been released sometime because I'm with you in not having season twelve. But, uh, yeah, I mean, um, it's a little bit skinnier than 18 and 19. Yes, yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, this, I think I said this uh, on one of the previous ones. That the, other, the other quite nice thing is that they'll take up less shelf, less shelf space than the DVDs. Um, yes, so what are you going to do with your DVDs? Um, well, I've given some of the way. I've, I've put a couple of them on eBay. Um, but the, the tricky thing is some of them, um, I've got the, the covers signed Ah, uh, yeah. So I've, I've, um, so yeah, some of those ones I've, I've just given people that are interested. Without the, um, I've just taken that out first and and put it in an album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah, well, I didn't ever think they'd come out on Blu-ray to be honest. So I thought, well, this this would be a nice way of getting a few autographs. Um, mm. and a nice way of displaying them will be in my uh, sort of DVD sets on the shelves. Um, but um, yeah, turns out I shouldn't really have done that. <laughs> <laughs> well. If we had a time machine and go could go forward ten years, who knows what kind of mysterious new formats we'd have it all in? Yeah, well, it'll probably be like some Black Mirror thing where we just put a chip into our neck and we'll probably experience them in three D. 
Um, as they call Ooh, it, yeah, uh, virtual reality planet of the Daleks. Yeah, we'll be uh, running around as a as an extra thal or something. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for season ten, I think. Yes, I think so. It's uh, well worth a watch if you haven't. Yes, definitely. Uh, if you can get your hands on one, I guess it'll be um, I guess it'll be eBay now. Hopefully, it won't quite be the eye watering prices that uh, that that um, season twelve bring. Oh, I hope not. Uh, but uh, anyway, I mean the stories are great. If you can't get your hands on the Blu-rays, then watch the watch a DVD, watch a VHS, read the novelization. Yeah, they're all good stories. There's probably uh, probably a lot of DVDs on eBay at the moment. <laughs> I would think, yeah. You can probably pick them up quite cheap. Yeah. Cool. So uh, we will next speak uh, next weekend at the Vault Convention. We will indeed, yes. Uh, hopefully, we'll meet some some other listeners there. Maybe, if either. Yeah, if, that would be good. If, if you see uh, yeah. an old lady and a yeah. handsome, much younger man, it'll, man, it'll probably be me and Mark. So. <laughs> if I was going to say, if either of our listeners are there, it'd be yeah, it'd be nice to say. Yeah, that. yeah. Either of you, just <laughs> drop by, say hi. Yes. Uh, we yeah. don't bite. If anybody wants an autograph from Denise, star of the final game. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, yeah, what a strange cool. idea <laughs> well I'm open for an autograph <laughs> well yeah I will give you an autograph if you would like one fantastic great and obviously I'll be getting yours as well and everybody else's yes indeed be, uh, and there will be selfies and there will be tales to tell definitely so we will we will be uh, podcasting from the Vault Convention in Manchester in, in two weeks time so, yep. Uh, Five go mad in Manchester. That's it. Well, thank you very much for listening at home. And thank you very much for joining me, Denise. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Um, if anybody wants to follow you on Twitter, you are at Cup of Tea. I'm at Cup of Tea 69. I am at Quark McMalice. And you can follow the podcast at Trap One underscore. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can subscribe, and it would be really, really nice if you would leave uh, a review or a, a rating, a star rating. That would be very much appreciated. See you then. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.